Hello. Hi. I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. Okay, so (laughs) we're going to jump into the exciting ending. Yes. It's a happy ending. It is kind of, a little bit. Okay, so... Okay. (laughs) Paul Holes and his team. Yes. Get this genius idea. Genius. Literally. So smart. But we'll talk about we'll talk about whether this was like a revelation or not later. Okay. okay. I'll get to that part. But yeah. they upload blanks. Golden State Killer. I almost said his name. The Golden State Killer's <laughs> DNA yes. to a website called Jedmatch, which is essentially ancestry.com, but it is a public website. And it is most frequently used by people who are, like, adopted who want to find out who their parents are. Mm-hmm. And it's not really, like, Ancestry where they send you all this information. But it also explicitly says on the website that it this is a database that could be used for other reasons. Yes. So including like law enforcement. Yeah, it's, like, set forth in the policy very clearly. So yes. they didn't have to get any sort of search warrant to do this or anything like that. It was totally legal because it was a public website. Mm -hmm. They could not do this on something like Ancestry.com. Or 23andMe. All of those are protected. They would have to have a court order. And as far as I've researched, those websites are not being cooperative with law enforcement. So, and for now... we, We actually had that confirmed by a law enforcement officer. Yes. I'm actually writing an article kind of about this whole process in relation to something different, but... The Yeah, so, I mean, those websites are probably never going to be used for that reason as of Mm -hmm. now, but also, there's, I mean, there's talks about that happening, so you never know. It could become a thing later, but for now, they're using Jedmatch, and it has over 1 million DNA samples on there, so, I mean, it's a a decent sample size. It's not as big as Ancestry.com, but no, there's enough people on there to where if you were to upload some random DNA to it, the likelihood of it being connecting to someone through familial DNA is high. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what happened. They uploaded it and they found a relative of the Golden State Killer on Jedmatch. So essentially... Freaking insane. I love this so much. Okay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially what they did was they took this person and the relative Mm -hmm. and they looked up all of this person's relatives like because I don't think they could tell whether it was like a super close relative or not maybe they could I don't know all they know is that the DNA strands are related mm -hmm. yeah so they essentially make a whole list of every like male who's like 60 to 70 related to this person Mm -hmm. and then they just like you know knock all of them down take them Take a suspect off the list. Like, did they live in yes. California? Nope. Nope. Off the list. And, and it's such a smaller amount of people now, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Because, I mean, that seems, I mean, if we were to take you mm-hmm. and every single person you're related to, that's a ton of people. But then then you go, okay, well, only men. Cuts it in half. Only men ages, like, let's even make the age gap bigger just in case. Like, 50 to 80. Yeah. Then that's even smaller. And then who yeah, lived in California, like... then it's even smaller, you know? Yes, yeah. It's a, it's a very good process. I mean, you still definitely have more than one person, probably. Of course. But but it's a lot less than every Caucasian male. In the world. Yeah. <laughs> in Sacramento. So, 
they do this and they get to a suspect who looks really good <laughs> and they follow him around and wait for him to discard something that has his DNA, his DNA on it. Yep. And I don't, I couldn't find specifically what it was in this case, but it, I mean, it could have been a cigarette. It could have been an, like a cup. It could have been like fast food items or something. Yeah, just and, something that would have his DNA on it. Right. And it's legal to take this because when you throw something in the trash in public, it's considered abandoned property. So you don't have to have permission to take it and take DNA out of it. So that's what they do. It's a 100% DNA match yep. to this guy who is 72-year-old Joseph D'Angelo, who was living in Citrus Heights. They arrest him. It's the Ta-da. Golden State Killer. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> he hasn't had a trial yet, and he hasn't Mm-mm. come to any sort of plea agreement, so we have to say allegedly. But right. let me remind you, I mean, I, of all people, I someone who wants a career in like post-conviction criminal law and yeah. mm-hmm. one to say we can't we can't call this guy the golden state killer yet like we we don't need to like jump to conclusions and like wrongfully convict him in the media you know but no i will remind you 100 percent dna match is very difficult to dispute so yes so i i would assume that the plea deal would be i mean it, it'll be interesting to see what he says you know what i mean like what if the trial process, if there is a trial. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also I was like trying to find conclusive something to say about his charges and I can't find anything like updated because a lot of websites have conflicting like reputable websites have conflicting information about what he's been charged with. And I think that's because they're like taking charges off and adding charges on like all mm-hmm. the time. But I can tell you for sure that. Basically, none of the rapes are going to be included because the statute of limitation has run out on them. And basically what that is, if you don't know, is after a set amount of years for a certain crime, you're no longer allowed to charge that person with the crime, even if you catch them. And statute of limitations surrounding rape is getting a lot better progressively as time goes on. But at the time, it was like in some places it was like five years. So if someone raped you today... Say we're back then. Okay, someone raped you in like 1970. In 1975, you catch them. You can't do anything. Yeah, you cannot prosecute and them so, for that crime. So it's insane. It's the Despite most backwards have, law yeah, I've yeah. ever heard of. Yeah, and you can have like like undeniable tr- proof that they did it and that you can't do anything about it. Yeah, so, and that doesn't- I hate ex- it. Right, and it doesn't exist for murder. So think about the, I mean, I don't want to talk about it because it could be a thousand- years of us talking about it but think about the fact that that doesn't exist for murder and then think about the fact that it was five years for rape and then tell yourself what were those priorities of the lawmakers and law enforcement and just everyone at the time when it came Mm -hmm. to rape I mean the definition of rape has changed since then so like oh yeah it's getting better but it's still insane that we finally catch this like the worst serial rapist ever like I'm pretty sure that I can think of and in the United States, maybe in the world, who and knows? maybe in like the history of time, like, yes, honestly, honestly, who knows? And they can't do anything about most of the rapes. So it's really unfortunate, but he will most likely be in prison for the rest of his life. I mean, I'm not worried about it, but it just sucks because those specific victims don't get to have like, I mean, they have justice, but it's different mm-hmm. when you're your crime, like thing that happened to you 
isn't connected to a charge or account, you know? Yeah. It sucks. So mm-hmm. that's a bummer. But I can't, again, sorry, I can't find anything specific because it keeps updating all the time. But he will likely be charged with multiple murders, maybe a couple of the later rapes. Yep. And he will probably go to prison forever. Probably. He's already 72, so, 72, so it's like they <laughs> just... <laughs> He's already 72. Oh, I was like, what did I? <laughs> um, yes, he's already 72. So, like, he will probably die in prison. Probably. I hope so. Okay. So, let me tell you the information we know about Joseph D'Angelo. Hit me with it. Let's go. And I'll get to the my favorite thing about this entire case. <laughs> okay. So, he served 22 months in the Navy. Just I'm just telling you tidbits. None of this. I'll tell you the pieces that are relevant. But... Mm-hmm. He attended Sierra College and Sacramento State, and he earned a degree in criminal justice, which is funny. Ironic, he, for sure. Remember when I told you that that one um, rape survivor said that he was actually saying F.U. Bonnie? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do remember that. He was engaged to a Bonnie Jean Caldwell in 1970. Oh, my God. Weird. Maybe he unconsciously slipped up that one time. And he actually did say Bonnie. And like, again, his like subconscious was like thrusting that forward. And think about <gasps> the time. So weird. It was 1970. So right yeah. before he started all of this. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Nuts. Could have nothing to do with it. but No, but that's really interesting. Of all of the things, of all of the women he could have been engaged to. That's interesting. I know. <laughs> and then he married Sherry Marie Huddle in 1973, which is one of one of the more interesting things that has come out because you would expect someone who's okay, 73. That's the that's before all of this. It's like the year yes. this starts. Yeah. So you would imagine that this guy who's like never home, who's like prowling all night right. and committing a crime almost every week, like an mm-hmm. incredibly big crime, yeah, is probably say. single. And because I mean, I mean, what are your what's your excuse to your wife like that you're not home at night ever, almost ever? You know, yes, because like we already talked about how you would have to be spending a ton of time to know people's constant schedules. Yeah. So, well, okay. Well, I'll Has tell, she I'll said tell anything? you. Okay. Okay. I'll tell you. Okay. The, the kind of explanation for that here in a second, but okay. they actually divorced um, in. A year that I can't. 1990. So they were married the entire time. Yo. He had three daughters with her. One was born in Sacramento in 1981 while this was still happening. One was born in L.A. in 1986 after. And mm-hmm. one, and the final one was born in Sacramento in 1988. His last murder was in 1986. So he had like two of the, his children while he was still operating as the original Night Stalker. And two... Daughters. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. So that's insane. Um, okay, so he also, this is just random, worked at a Save Mart distribution center in 19, started working there in 1989 and retired in 2017. But do you want to know what his job was while he was the Golden State Killer? Yes, I already know it, but yes. <laughs> okay. He was a police officer on the burglary unit in Exeter, California, which is just a town just southwest of Visalia. 
And then he was a police officer in Auburn, California, which is just barely northeast of Sacramento from 1976 to 1979. In 1979, when he's like just ending East Area Rapist and becoming original Night Stalker, he quits because he was caught stealing a hammer and dog repellent from a store. He was caught stealing and then, and they were like, you're going to have to like be under review. We're going to have to investigate this. And he said, yeah. no, I'll just quit because they obviously didn't want him them investigating him. Of course not. And he was like, no, no I'll go work at a save Mart. What? So he, I didn't know about that bit. But... So he was a cop the entire time. And that completely explains why he was two steps ahead of everyone. Mm-hmm. Why he was like so aware of the crime scene to leave almost no evidence behind. Because he knew what they would be looking for because he was in the burglary unit. So he knew what process they would go through when they were dealing with burglaries. And it explains how he never was... Like, I just can't imagine someone attack... And he attacked same neighborhoods night after night. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that someone getting away with that. But when you learn that he's a cop... And you say, oh, maybe there's a guy on, like, foot patrol in this neighborhood because he keeps attacking this neighborhood. And yeah. he sees Joseph D'Angelo, and he's like, oh, hey, man. Yes. Like, you know, hey. like, he, I'm, And then he's like, oh, I'm on foot patrol, too, or something, you know. Like, yeah, like, there's it wouldn't a be reason. conspicuous at all. And they probably just would give him a pass. Even if they found him with, like, weird items or anything like that, there's no reason to suspect a cop. Yeah, because they, they would have handcuffs and... Um, a, a weapons and all sorts of stuff inside of their patrol car. And the buddy system is like intense in, in law enforcement. I actually read an empirical study about it. It's called the blue blue wall of something. And in, I have a, I'm in a class right now about law enforcement and there's empirical data about how strong the buddy system essentially is in mm-hmm. this career. So there is no telling how many passes he was given by his friends and his fellow cops for Yikes. being that for being weird or having something weird or for being in a backyard in the middle of the night. You know, like Yeah, like just whatever it would be. Yes, just random things. I want to know all the hmm. cops who are like you know, yes, like, yes. They're like, oh my God, I saw him there. Yes. <gasps> no. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure they felt like an epic sense of betrayal mm-hmm. as well. Because like you said, the buddy system and to learn that a person that they trusted and who um, probably trusted them is a ki- a killer and a serial rapist. Yeah. Um, and like, I always think back to like, the Zodiac and when he was fleeting fleeing a scene and he mm-hmm. walked right past those two cops yes so like picture that but like picture them knowing that guy yeah you know he could just be like hey guys oh, I just it's insane yes. it's insane and explains so much and it's so satisfying i don't know why but yes. it's just so interesting that he was a huh. cop well it this just entire like, time it just helps connect the dots thankfully it does and then like think about it like less okay so you know we were, like, trying to connect all these dots, but, like, drop that and just think about a cop committing serial burglary, rape, and murder. Think about that. Like, think about, mm-hmm. I don't know any cops that you know, but, like, I'm trying to like, think of cops that I, like, see all the time and, like, yeah. them. Think about Detective Cash, who we met yes. yesterday. We were doing an interview for a class we're in mm-hmm. with a detective. Think of him being a serial offender. 
That is literally what the reality was for everyone who knew Joseph D'Angelo. He was just this friendly retired cop. Yikes. That's so weird. That's so weird to think about. Like, Mm -hmm. not even in the way of like, oh, this makes everything make sense, but just in general of a cop doing this. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's horrible. Because also, like, erasing the fact that other cops would be impacted, the community itself would be impacted as well. Because, I don't know, cops are always associated with safety. And you're like, oh, the cops are coming. They'll be here. Everything will be okay. <laughs> now yeah. it's like the total opposite and effect. It's, and it's not like I I don't think he would have done anything while on on duty, duty or anything no. but it's just He's the pretty fact sly, but the fact that he was a cop yeah it's just it's so mind-blowing and it's my favorite fact about anything yes in the world it's my favorite fact ever it's just so <laughs> exciting yeah so that's so there you go joseph d'angelo <laughs> okay so i wanted to talk a little bit about the genealogy testing and cold cases so we are currently in what people have been describing the season of justice mm-hmm. ever since the Golden State Killer case broke in April of 2018. So almost exactly a month ago to today, not not exactly in a, in a couple of weeks, it'll be a month, uh, not a month, a year. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, in June last year, April. What month is it? Oh, it's March. We're in March. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So in a couple of weeks, it'll be the year anniversary of the Golden State Killer being caught is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And ever since then, ever since they used this genealogy DNA comparison, cold cases have been being solved left and right with this technique. And a lot of people attribute the Golden State Killer to be the first time that this happened. It's not fully true, but, and what I mean by that is that it has been used in several cases. It was actually used to catch the grim sleeper who coincidentally was also a serial rapist in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. It was something similar was used with him. And what's the country? Hang on, I wrote it down. Where? Oh, Wales used this technique as early as 2002. Ooh. But what is interesting about the Golden State Killer is that because of Michelle McNamara's book and because of all this hype and all the documentaries that came out post Albion in the Dark being published made everyone just really excited for this case to be solved. And there was this time period where, like, right before, where it was just, like, any day now kind of thing. Like, it Mm -hmm. was just, like, ramping up, and there was just this feeling of something's going to happen. And then it did. And now departments are using this technique all the time. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like we can't really credit them for having this genuinely, like, original idea, but it kind of was at the same time because departments weren't like it wasn't like there's was a big conference where every police officer was there and they were like, yeah, this like, is how we're doing things now stuff that like that didn't happen. No, but I mean, that similar things do happen. It just didn't in this case. And mm-hmm. I think it's because it's kind of a weird technique and it needed to I think it needed to happen in a massive cold case that people cared about for that technique to become so popular that even small, teeny tiny departments are using it to solve their cold cases. And it was actually used to solve the April Tinsley case, mm-hmm. which is, there's like a really good episode about that on a um, a podcast called Crime Junkie. And they actually interview the detective who like was, I think he was the lead detective on that case about their yeah. use of the genealogy DNA comparisons. And it's a little bit, everyone just kind of does, does it a little differently. So 
everyone essentially kind of has the idea of, oh, everyone, there's this whole movement kind of of people Mm -hmm. uploading their DNA to to these websites. websites. Let's utilize that. So everyone kind of had the idea around the same time, but people enacted it in different manners. So that's why it's like kind of the first time, but also kind Mm -hmm. of not, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But regardless, I mean, it doesn't really matter who who gets credit for it. It's an incredibly genius idea. Mm -hmm. And like I said, almost daily a cold case is being solved. If not uh, weekly, I can say for certain, but I, it's almost every single day. If you put cold case on your Google alerts, you will get an email every day that says like something in relation to DNA, new forensic DNA. And -hmm. it's not even just this genealogy stuff. It's just that like, we're right on the cusp of all of these innovations and forensic testing. And it's literally like we're in the 1980s again and DNA is being discovered. As someone who's like very defense minded and like I don't really I wouldn't trust on the reason I love DNA is I don't really trust any other forensic oh no and I don't think that we should be putting people in prison for life or for I mean at all for a day I don't mean even <laughs> I don't think that that's okay unless we have something as conclusive as a 100% DNA match so it's just really exciting in terms of how many people could even potentially be exonerated with this new technology for organizations like the Innocence Project can utilize it. Yeah, exactly. And um, for those who really love watching Netflix documentaries about true crime, um, there's one that was released called The Innocent Man, which is based off of John Grisham's true crime novel um, about a murder, like two murders that happened in Ada, Oklahoma. And um, one of the murders was um, a rape and murder of a young woman in her apartment complex And for years, they had convicted two men of that murder, and they both maintained their innocence the entire time. The police department was really sketchy, but what got them off was DNA evidence because she had been raped. And so they had DNA from her body, and they actually found out that it was um, one of her guy friends who had done it. And so it like it released both of them after years of being in prison um, and it cleared their names. So it's just really important for right. cases like that. And um, you said it would like sort of like I think it'll start to skyrocket the exonerations and like letting people out of prison who are not guilty of things. Um, and like the kind of the tricky thing there, though, is mm-hmm. that like you have to be people you have to be your appeal has to be approved. No, yeah, but, like, the thing with the DNA is that, like, law enforcement's the only people who can, like, do those testing things. So it has to be on law enforcement to, like, Mm -hmm. if there's someone that you think is wrongfully convicted and you're in law enforcement, test that DNA or do something. Like, you can't, obviously, like, people at the Innocence Project can't just go getting the DNA out of evidence. But, Mm -mm. you know, it's, it's just very exciting. And I think wrongful convictions will always happen because there's typically an agenda. But... Mm -hmm. Besides the case, I just think that it's important to get more and more specific and more accurate with forensic testing. And that can kind of mask, in a way, some of these issues that we constantly are talking about involving criminal justice, a lot of the corruption or Mm -hmm. a lot of the like bias motivated things that occur or just anything that has someone in law enforcement or in the prosecution's office or a judge or anyone who has an agenda and is putting people behind bars that are innocent or it doesn't even even have to really be that extreme. It can be really anything. Like the more specific and advanced and accurate we become, 
the less that can happen because you kind of have this thing to fall back on. We're like, actually, no. Yeah. And I just think that that's incredibly exciting. So it's kind of twofold. It's like a very scary time to be a criminal right now. Absolutely. But it's also a very good time to be someone who, you know, maybe the fingers always pointed at you and you do nothing and you Mm -hmm. can have, you're getting more tools to prove your innocence. It's just exciting. Yes, it is. It's very exciting. And I just can't wait to learn more about Joseph D'Angelo because Mm -hmm. his childhood, I've been making all these kind of assumptions about it. And like, I want to tell his side of the story too, which is like frustrating. I I think I told this to you. Like, I wish that, you know, like our podcast is going to be happening for years so that I could like (laughs) wait to do this episode and have more information about him because I hate to like, I hate to say all these really terrible things that he did without, if he does have some sort of background that is like causing this in a way not that it's an excuse but I would love to be able to share that too I just don't know and I I can almost say with certainty that there's something because there's no way you just wake up and want to do this no without something awful and terrible having happened to you yourself and that doesn't make it okay not don't no one attack me I'm not saying it's an excuse but obviously you don't wake up and, and murder 12 someone. people and rape 50 people and burglarize over 100. Something no. happened to you. And mm-hmm. that deserves to be given some sort of attention and some sort of understanding. So Yeah, so that I we can recognize it in the future. Wait to figure that out. I, I know. hope that that comes <laughs> out and we can at least be like, okay, you're at least 2% human. Yeah, you know, at least. You know, so that'll be yeah. exciting. But it makes him less scary, too. It will remove his power if we know exactly why he did it. Yeah, because at the moment I'm so confused of like all of the things that he was doing. It really doesn't make any sense to a rational human being. And so if we just can rationalize him, he will become human. Yeah. And that's important. That is important because I mean, at the end of the day, like even the like the worst monsters that we talk about, they're brothers and sisters and daughters and sons and they they yeah. they're human beings yeah, and they, you know they went through the whole birthing process the same way we did so it's just we need know. to like at least put an effort into understanding where they were mm-hmm. coming from and it I mean it can feel kind of gross sometimes to like try to empathize with them but I think it's important and I think that we need to at least say like oh this is where he was coming from like that that sucks that that happened yeah. to him too you know because mm-hmm. most of the times these people are victims themselves and it's awful what he did I mean I I'll well, say it again. I said at the beginning, I think he's the worst person I've ever spoke about on this podcast. But I mean, like, what happened to you? Right. <laughs> what made you do this? I'm, I yeah. mean, his decisions made him do it. He chose to do this. But like, what prompted it? So, mm-hmm. OK, Claire, I've been saving a little a little nugget for you to tell everyone about. You okay. want to tell them what happened two days ago on the conversation of DNA? Yeah, so this is really exciting. So um, shout out to my friend Nick, who listens to this podcast, for showing me this article from USA Today. But the uh, cold case of serial murderer Jack the Ripper was um, like officially kind of solved (laughs) um, last week. Or this week. Two days ago. Yeah, two days ago. Thank you. Um, And it's really exciting. (laughs) But it was a Polish barber. um, Who they, I mean, he's been named as a suspect this mm -hmm. whole time. Yeah, and he was a very heavily suspected person. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like this was like a huge surprise, but it was just nice. It's just exciting. To have some sort of confirmation on it. And his name is um, Aaron 
Kosminski, and he was, like I said, a Polish barber in England at the time. Um, so he has been directly linked to the Jack the Ripper case. And um, I don't know. I just think it's really cool because one of the first cold cases that you ever really hear about, not really thinking it's a cold case, is the Jack the Ripper story. Um, and so, yeah, so... DNA. DNA is really cool and can solve ancient cases. So <laughs> this is really interesting and um, I'm like super pumped about it. We'll put a link down below so you can read mm-hmm. about it or you can just Google Jack the Ripper solved. But yeah, um, <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed listening to the Golden State Killer case. Yes. I This has been on my list to do since I had the idea to do this podcast, but mm-hmm. I've been just very intimidated by the case because... I haven't even touched the surface. There's so much about this case. And one reason I've always been apprehensive about doing it is there's like a thousand podcasters who've done it a thousand times better than I just did it. You know, (laughs) like who've done genuinely like spent so much time researching and read every book and seen every documentary and Mm -hmm. they just tell it so well. So I'm kind of like, what's the point of me doing it worse? But (laughs) I wanted to do it anyway. So So, I hope you enjoyed our telling of it. Well, Um, I enjoyed it because I definitely learned some new stuff. Um, so thank you for telling that to me. It was very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited to hear your case because you've been doing a lot of research on it. So yeah, let's, let's do that one now. Okay. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Bye.